You're listening to the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast, creating community to foster joy and well-being. Thanks for listening. Today, we are talking to Ashley Allman, and we're going to be discussing effective communication on this leadership podcast. So thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I want to start off this podcast with an icebreaker question, and I think I found a good one. If you could be an expert at any skill, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. That is a good one. Um, I, I wish... It depends. I think I've got two answers. One for like professional skill. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be um, something with data and analyzing data because okay. I love data and it's it's really fun to analyze it and look at it. But there's so many things that I don't know how to do mm-hmm. that if I had a little bit more background on how to do that and do it effectively and use that data to actually get what you want from it and see those trends and do that forecast. And so I'd love to dive into that. That's cool. Um, but in terms of a skill that has nothing to do with work, I would love to be a good tennis player. Ooh. So that's just something I thought I've, I've always wanted to have that skill. And, you know, I don't have much athletic ability, but... I'm always trying to pick up something new in my spare time. So Mm -hmm. that would be a fun outside of work skill. Nice. Those are really two good options. I think the first one could be so helpful just in the current position that you're in. And the other one is just fun. Who doesn't love tennis? Exactly. (laughs) It seems very easy, but you know, once you're out there, it's not that easy. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what I'm learning. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about you and your career and what got you to where you are today? Yeah, so let's see. I've been here 10 years now at Westminster Canterbury, so I'm currently the Vice President of Marketing and Development, and I started as the Executive Director of the Foundation. So fundraising and nonprofit work has really always been my background since graduating college, and, and doing that has just been my passion. And so I've had the opportunity to to grow and take on new roles here while still being able to spend time and do the fundraising piece, but also take on the public relations and the marketing. So it's been fantastic. But what really brought me here was a really unique story that I take a lot of great pride in is that my grandmother was actually a resident here. So she lived here for 19 years. Her name was Janet Red. And so I grew up as a young kid coming here and spending nights and weekends here. She moved here from West Point, Virginia and said, you know, it, it took a lot. My mom's the youngest of three. And her two brothers, one lives in, in outside of Richmond and the other lives in Washington State. And so my mom is the, the daughter and the youngest was really kind of the one looking after my grandmother. And my grandfather had recently died and my mom really wanted her to come here. She had two young kids at the time and it was just easier. And my grandmother didn't want to leave her house and her friends and it took a... a big storm like a tornado that came through and she called my mom the next day and was like I just spent the last seven hours in my basement all alone I'm tired of this I'm tired of the house you know let's let's make the move so she was a little resistant though but she made the move to Westminster Canterbury and it took about I'd say two weeks and within those two weeks all of a sudden it went from you know my my grandmother Jay would say you know now Sarah I'm not going to be your built-in babysitter and my mom said well I'm not your built-in source of entertainment mom either. So <laughs> we're both kind of coming from different different points of view here. Well, within two weeks, she had just found her niche. She had found her community. She had found her, her group of friends. And we all of a sudden had to plan out months in advance in order to get on her calendar to even have dinner with her. I mean, she just had this booming social life. Mm. And, you know, I think that's what I really attribute to her living 19 years here and just so active and so lively and just such a wonderfully and engaging space. And she spent the bulk of that time in independent living. And so I've just got so many wonderful memories. Um, you know, I've been to a couple of the Kentucky Derby parties and the New Year's Eve parties. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've been there as a grandchild and growing up and having dinner in the beachfront dining. So then when the opportunity came across my 
my desk 11 years ago now to, to be a part of the team. And my grandmother had just passed away at that point. It was really a no brainer. And I just thought, you know what? I didn't even know they had a foundation. I didn't even know they did nonprofit work. And how how is that, that I've been in this community so many times as a grandchild and as a fundraising professional to not know that. So I thought, well, they could use some help. And I'd love to, to do that, to help share that message and spread that message of the fact that there is a foundation on all of the good work that they do. So that's kind of the, the long story that, that got me here. And it's so, I feel like it's been full circle. So I've seen the perspective from a child. And I think as I was younger, you know, this was just my, my grandmother's cool hotel that she lived in. They had, you know, an indoor pool when she moved in, it was only the East Tower, but then she got a second indoor pool with the West Tower. And every time I came here, I got ice cream and great snacks. So it was just <laughs> fun yeah but then as I grew older and my grandmother did go through the the levels of care and to see from my mom's perspective of the peace of mind it gave her as the only child living locally as my grandmother did need more care and what that meant so it it, I really transitioned from just this really cool fun place to wow being here really is such a tremendous benefit not only to the resident but to the family members as well because you know my mom didn't feel that if she couldn't come by every day the last two years my my grandmother was over in the memory care over in the hoy on the third floor and so my mom might not be able to come every day and she never worried because she knew she was being taken such great care of and there was such a great a tremendous team up there Mm -hmm. and the bonds that my mom formed with the the teammates the nurses here to the point that my mom still comes back on christmas day and brings cookies to some of those team members because she just had such a great relationship with them And my grandmother had passed away like about a week after Christmas one year. So it was just a really fitting tribute. And so there's still those great relationships that have been formed with with the team. So Okay. I love that. I love how it came around full circle for you and how you were able to see it as a child and get that child's perspective. Mm -hmm. And then as you grew into a teenager and into an adult, you were able to really witness how the system works and how the process works for seniors and uh, that gave you the ability to be where you are Mm -hmm. right now and I love that you were here as a kid and now you work here that's kind of fun it's like a story I feel like all the residents should know that's gold and they need to know it it's fun Um, so what inspired you to lead I think you really just answered that a lot but if you have anything else like what really pushed you to want to be a leader you know I think a lot of it is just being this this community is just so near and dear to my heart but I think it's also when you find something you're passionate about it's not really a job and you just want to excel and you want to do as much good for as many people as you can and I've always been so passionate about fundraising and and nonprofit work and you know I think that was the I, I got a little a plaque from one of my colleagues about 15 or 18 years ago and it, it the plaque says you know when you love what you do you never work a day in your life and it's corny but it's so true mm-hmm. and so I've been so fortunate to find that. So I think combining it with just being passionate about our mission and and who we're serving, not only our residents, but our team members in the surrounding community. There's so much great work that the foundation does and the, the marketing team and Westminster Canterbury as a whole, like everything that we do is incredible. And the amount of people that we touch and the amount of seniors with, with Opus and now the Hospice House of Hampton Roads, it's just, it's growing. So you've got that. And then you, you partner that with having the opportunity to continue to grow. And I'm just fortunate that, that Ben, our CEO, took that chance on me as a younger executive and brought me to the team, you know, I was in my late 20s and not everybody does that and gives that opportunity to somebody of my age. So I'm just grateful for that. And I just want to continue to to excel and to be part of that executive leadership team and 
grow where I can and continue to lead and just take this organization into the next the next phase. So I think it's just having that opportunity and not everybody gets that opportunity to continue to grow. So I think that's one thing that I really think is special about Westminster Canterbury, where we're able to take our own team members and, and grow them here on our campus and, and give them new opportunities. Where'd you go to school? What'd you study? So I went to James Madison University, okay. studied business, and I was in the hospitality and tourism management, the HTM department. And I thought I was going to plan parties and uh, work for either a hotel or a country club and it was going to be great and as soon as I got out of school I, I came home for the summer and I told my mom I was like never living in Virginia Beach I'm born and raised here I lived my whole life here I'm just yeah I was like don't don't get excited I'm coming home for the summer I want to do nothing I want to go to the beach I want to I don't bother me um, and then I'm going somewhere I'm going to New York I'm going to DC whatever but not here and about three weeks after that, I started to get bored and I was just like, all right, this is not as fun as I thought it would be. And a job opportunity came across and my mom was like, well, look, I know you say you're not going to live here, but it's good experience. Why don't you just take the job interview? Totally plan on saying no. You might not even get it, but have that experience and do it. And so I went on a job interview with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. And at the time, the the development director who was hiring, she just, she had a great personality, a great pitch. She sold me. She did everything she was supposed to do. And I came home and I was like, so I accepted that job. And I know I said I wouldn't, but I did. Exactly. Here I am almost 20 years later and wow. the rest is history. So, awesome. yeah. So um, what are you doing at WC to be a difference maker, to continue to make a difference in the residents and the team members? Yeah, well, I think that's the fun part. There's so many fun parts about working here, but I feel like everything that all of us do, just like you said, we're all making a difference every single day. And it just, you know, some days more of my 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 time is on making a difference for our residents' lives here and the impact that we make here and then other times it's, you know, from the marketing point of view of how can we expand our services and educate more of the, the community and with the foundation as well. It's not only supporting our, our residents through the fellowship fund, but our team members through the emergency fund and the scholarship fund. But I think one of the biggest things that I am just so proud to be a part of with the marketing team is just coming up with some new events that have really, they're just exciting. So two of our newest ones, most recently, we started a for on International Women's Day. So March 8th, we had a our inaugural breakfast and we, we want to be known for this in the community. And it was a way to, it's a marketing event, so it's a way to get people in the doors, but it's also a way to show that Westminster Canterbury is partaking and participating in a really important piece of, of history and celebrating women and women in leadership. Mm-hmm and providing an opportunity for a lot of people to come and gather and celebrate that. So that was an idea that um, my colleague Ellen had about a year ago. And she's, she said, I know this is crazy and I know it's not on the schedule, but can we make this happen? And my answer was absolutely. And so it was so exciting to see it come from just a small idea to where it was. We had over 125 attendees, had a phenomenal panel of speakers and to, to see that happen and knowing that we've already got people who are interested in next year. So, But when you look at some of our residents, when they were born, women weren't valued or respected. Their opinions didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, women were only valued in the homes. Yeah. And so now we're in 2023 and you bring this event. I heard a couple of our residents say this was so lovely yeah. to have fellowship with some of these spectacular women and to really see how far our gender has come Mm -hmm. just with that one event it speaks volumes and um it really does foster 
well-being and community and uh, exactly. that's what I like about a lot of your events is that I'm able to pinpoint like this one fosters joy yeah. this one fosters yeah. community and it's a uh, really ties into the WC theme yeah, it's 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 great so I love I just you know again it goes back to we just we have the opportunity to do that every day and that's what I'm so grateful for and you know we had the emerging artist event too and partnering with Norfolk State and Tidewater Community College and Old Dominion University and Virginia Wesleyan University and this was our second annual in honor of Black History Month but again that was just another idea and it was a wish list thing of We'd love to do this. And then it was like, all right, let's stop wishing and let's make it a reality. And the feedback from that has been wonderful. And again, it's just another way to have those conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion and bringing those to our campus. So it was another really great opportunity where the marketing department was able to partner with, uh, you know, outside community organizations and to to bring that not only to our residents, but to to prospects and those who might want to know a little bit more about Westminster Canterbury. So it's been, it's been fun. Awesome. So what have you learned in the past that has made you the leader that you are today? I think part of it is you can't control every situation. And I think a lot of times just my personality, I just, I always want to know what's going to happen next. And I always want to have a plan. And I think what I've learned a lot is you, you got to be fluid. And you've got to be flexible and that, you know, you can have a point A and point B and know where your end goal is. But that in between, there's that really great drawing and I feel like at least once a year in some seminar or webinar that I'm listening to. And it's you've got the guy on the bike and you've got his end goal up at the top of the hill and what he thinks is going to be a straight path uh, to get up to the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's uh, much it's not a straight path at all. And it's like a dip here, a spike here, another dip into a water and then a dip into a fiery pit of God knows what. And <laughs> But it just basically shows that the path to get from point A to point B is not necessarily going to be straight, easy, and something that you can predict. Um, but you can get there. It's just going to be fluid. And so I think learning that has has been uh, really helpful for me. And it's it's ongoing. I think it's something that I continually learn and have to remind myself that things you need to be fluid with and flexible with. And I think that and also one of the other biggest things that I've learned is I can't take everything on myself. And so I think that's that's gotten me to be a better communicator because I've, I've had to delegate more as my role's grown and I've had the opportunity to take on more. I like to, and I think it goes back to that wanting to have control over everything Mm -hmm. and so I want to do it all Mm -hmm. and it's just not possible so you get all of these new responsibilities and roles you've at some point got to delegate to your team who you've trained to be able to handle this and you're really only as strong as that team that you've got behind you Mm -hmm. and so you know I've I've hit that wall where I've said you know I'm going to keep I'm going to keep all of this so I'm going to keep juggling all these balls but I'm not going to hand anything over and then they drop Mm -hmm. and so learning the importance of effective communication to my my colleagues and my direct team that I work with on a daily basis and how to better delegate and kind of talk about the outcomes and what I'm looking for. Do you feel that anything I mean well I guess first off what did you do at WC before you led the foundation? Did you have another position here? So that's that was my first position. So I was the executive director of the foundation. So I came in and the, for the first seven and a half, seven and a half years, yeah. Um, so I was able to meet and really engage with our residents, build our donor resident base and work on, we've got our golf tournament. Uh, we used to have a celebrity chef dinner. Now we do our festival of trees. Mm. Uh, we do our employee, our team member giving campaign. Mm-hmm. 
which has been something really exciting that I was able to bring to Westminster Canterbury that we didn't have before. Because one of the biggest things, you know, when working with our boards and, and our team members is that you know, as a fundraiser, if you're going to go out into the community and ask a complete stranger to support your nonprofit, you might have the best cause. And you can talk about that case for support and all of the wonderful things that we do. But if you can't say that the people who know us best, who are living our mission and are here every day, don't also support that, then that's that's one of your biggest talking points. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's such a big role in that, that team member giving campaign. And that's why, you know, every year when we when we get ready to do that, we do it every August, the, the biggest focus is on participation. Mm-hmm. It's not about the dollars raised. It's about the fact that X percent, you know, last year we ended with about 47% of our team members. So almost half of our team members supported the foundation. And so every year my goal is to grow that so that when I'm out in the community asking that, that random stranger for a $150,000 gift, I can. 100% of our foundation board, 100% of our board of trustees, and, you know, 50% of our team members who are here every day already mm-hmm. giving of their time and their talent also believe so much in this mission that they invested in the foundation, and that's why you should too. So that was really where I started, and I'm able to still do that and um, have some, my, my colleague Tanisa is working with the events piece of the foundation and then building that marketing team so that we're kind of marketing, PR, and foundation and, and foundation work are kind of all together, and, you know, loving your marketing team right now oh they're they're fantastic oh my gosh they're doing so many big things they're so excited to be here all the time and just ready and so helpful just even in my department they're Mm -hmm. like hey how can we partner and make this better and i i love that i love that enthusiasm they have yeah they're the best um, so where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? Are you going to stick around here? Mm-hmm. I have no plans of going anywhere. Um, you know, hopefully we will have broken ground on the Bay Tower. You know, we got to hit 70% in pre-sales and, you know, three to five years. Hopefully we'll be at a point where we're ready, maybe closer to the five years of moving those new residents, 225 mm-hmm. new residents that we're able to serve. That's and incredible. that is so exciting. So I'm really excited for the opportunities it's going to have, not only for our current residents, mm-hmm. but for our current staff members, yeah. like the growth that'll come with that. I know. I am so excited about that. So really looking forward to that. And I think that's where, I mean, it's just such an opportunity for growth. And, you know, I think for the team members we have here, but then our campus, I mean, truly growth of adding another tower and new new residents and just the opportunity to have just this, these new people interact with our current residents mm-hmm. and the current residents meet these new, it's just like you said, it's, it's going to be a win-win. So I'm really excited to see where that takes us. And by that point, we will have uh, built and opened the Hospice House of Hampton Roads and Westminster Canterbury, along with Beth Shalom, are the managing partners. So it's going to be really exciting to see where that goes because that's such an unmet need mm-hmm. in the community. So five years from now, I hope another city has, where the first one will be the Desorts House in Virginia Beach. And hopefully in the next five years, we'll have one in Chesapeake and Norfolk and Portsmouth. We'd love to have one of those under the Hospice House of Hampton Roads umbrella in every city. And, you know, just Opus is doing a fantastic job so can't wait to see where where they'll be with just great residents so i going back how you had said like i told my mom i will not live in virginia beach i am out of here and now here you are years later i'm like you're going in five years you're like nowhere i'm not going anywhere no i you know i think the the icing on the cake once once you get married and have kids I, i i learned well i never learned the hard way because i've always been here but once you have kids and realize how nice it is to live near your your parents, mm-hmm. and I'm very fortunate my mother-in-law and my mom are both local, I mean, it takes a village. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, when I've got that, that extra help, it's, it, that, that on top of loving what I do and being here, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And you can't deny your kids yeah. this cool experience. Exactly. Because I get to bring my daughter to work with me sometimes, yeah. and she 
loves it. Yeah. She's made really great bonds with some residents. To the, mm-hmm. They, you know, ask how she's doing. Oh, they yeah. send her little letters. And I love that for her because she'll get to grow up here and see how hard her mom and dad are working. And exactly. the efforts they're putting into mm-hmm. this community. It makes me hope that she'll have that same understanding and want to put yeah. that same grace out to people. And that's what I, you know, that's a great point that, that I love. And another challenge that senior living faces is that there are not many people when you're in high school in a career day not many people raise their hand and go i want to work in senior living i want to work with (laughs) with seniors you know it's i want to be a doctor i want to be a lawyer i want to be a vet you know all of these things but nobody wants to work in senior living and out of our executive team tori was the only one dr crenshaw who knew this pretty much from day one because of the relationship she had had with her grandmother Mm -hmm. and and being a part of a community like this. And so the more that we can get our kids and grandchildren of our residents exposed to this wonderful community, mm-hmm. because it's 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 something we need. I mean, I just read an article about the fact that out of the EVMS, the nursing program and the doctor's program over there, that you know nobody's picking geriatric care. Mm-hmm. And we've got to fill those gaps. So, you know, it is great to be able to have our kids a part of this because then maybe they'll realize how wonderful it is and the joy it brings their parents and the joy that they see from their residents to be like, you know what, that's the career I want to go in. You know, we're partnering with, you know, marketing. You get to touch a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So we're working with HR right now on how we could better market our recruitment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of said, you know, there are so many great things about working here. Day one benefits and the food and the price of the Mm -hmm. food and the relationships, the relationships. Tuition assistance, mm-hmm. the scholarship fund, so many great things. But it's like you've got to cater to the audience that you're you're going to. And a lot of times it's the high school students mm-hmm. and the college students. So I said, you know what? Instead of going out with that, I Googled the top five myths of working in senior living or retirement home. And so I said, let's start. Let's lead with that. Let's just put the elephant out in the room and be like, look, we all know what you all are thinking. Like, mm-hmm. why in the world are they wasting my time? I have no desire to work in a retirement setting. Yeah. And this is just so this is it's not your grandma's retirement home. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. So, you know, being able to to partner and kind of give some marketing insight with them of kind of tweaking that recruitment mm-hmm. piece to to really sell what it is, which is active aging, resort-style living. Resort-style living. And that's what my generation is becoming aware of, Mm -hmm. is that it's not a nursing home. Exactly. I mean, I think we have this image of, you know, seniors in a nursing home, and it smells like oatmeal, and everybody is mean and sad, Mm -hmm. and it's depressing, and that's not the case. Exactly. Um, This is actually the third community I've worked in. Mm -hmm. This is my niche. I love working with seniors. It seems to be very good for me, and yeah. I learn a lot as I go. Um, and so it's it's taken the third community to realize like this is so much bigger yeah. than just people. Oh yeah, waiting for the end. Exactly. This is so much oh nicer. my gosh. And the programs we offer to continue their education, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I just love partnering with the residents to yeah. to gain that knowledge from them. I know that's why you know we don't use the F word facility. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a campus or community, and I mean it's funny. It's you know it used to life plan communities used to be called continuing care retirement communities and they actually changed that nationwide because 
people were saying, wait, I'm not retiring. And we have a lot of residents who are not retired. They still work full time. And so they were like, well, you know, you're kind of making retirement seem like a, you know, this bad thing. And people are like, ooh, don't put me in the retirement home because retirement home is not the same connotation. So that's why they're called now life plan communities. Mm -hmm. So as you're planning for your life, um, it's because people are still active and engaging. So it is that active aging resort style living. And there's just so many people who, that's why we we just want to get them in the door so they can see this. And every time, I have somebody who comes to meet me on campus. They're like, you've got croquet. You've got you've got a putting green. You've got a bocce. You've got people doing yoga over there. You've got this. You've got that. Oh, and you got a full bar over there. I mean, they're blown away by everything that we have. on campus, like yeah. new performers or it's like something. like that shock and awe. They're yeah. blown away. They're like, this place is incredible. Yeah. And I love taking them up to the penthouse during the day. And I'm like, look at this view. Oh gosh, it's the best <laughs> It's view. so incredible. It's such a yep. great view. Um, so what do you do to relax after you've worked so hard here and, you know, you continue doing mm. all the leadership that you do? What do you go home and just sit down and do nothing doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, um... And you're a mom. You've got two kids. Yeah, I've got a three and a six-year-old. So there's not much relaxing. (laughs) You know, they they get home and our routine is kind of get home, you know, homework done, food, bath, bed. And it just kind of all happens so quickly. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes it's just unwinding. I, I, you know, on the weekends, my favorite thing to relax and unwind is literally to just walk around TJ Maxx. I just, I could go there and just, or Target just <laughs> for hours wa- without my children or even Costco. I love Costco. I could, I could spend a whole podcast talking about Costco. Um, <laughs> it's like time kind of fades yeah. and the world means nothing and you're in this whole zone. It's, it's I totally great. I, I love it. I'm that. like, I don't have my kids here. Somebody's watching. This is great. Um, but when I'm at home, I think, you know, a lot of it is just just, you know, after the kids go to bed, just kind of taking a couple minutes and um, my husband and I will try and eat dinner before the kids go to bed so that we're not eating super, super late. But sometimes we'll have a later dinner and just sit down and it's just kind of a couple, like we always try and ask, you know, how was your day? You know, and we do this with the kids. So at their dinner, we'll say, what was your favorite part about the day? What was your least favorite part about the day? What was your most exciting part about the day? Um, so we ask them those three questions and then we're like, all right, so what is the craziest thing you did today? Um, and so they both share and it's funny to hear my six-year-olds and then my three-year-olds is like <laughs> totally off the wall. You never know what Valley's going to give you. But Bailey and I try to do that too. And, you know, it's just, you know, it sounds a little corny, but it's kind of, it's just good conversation because sometimes you just realize when you, when you're so close to somebody and you've been with them as long as you have, sometimes you just go through the motions and yeah. you come home and you rush, 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 rush that all of a sudden some days I'd, I'd get home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, we literally made it to 8.30 PM and I haven't even once been like, how was your day? <laughs> Um, because you're just kind of going through and getting yeah. everything done. So it's just trying to stop and be intentional about those relationships. And we always try to FaceTime at least one grandparent a night and, you know, do a quick call. And so I love that my fiance works here because I feel like we never run out of things to talk about. No. Oh, yeah. We're always talking about. Like, did you see that yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> There's always something. Yeah. Um, so um, what would you say would be some of the best practices and guiding principles for a Effective communication. I think it. What I've learned is, for effective communication, there's not a one size fits all, and so that was a good learning opportunity for me, especially with my team. That everyone I work with has a different style, a different way they communicate, and a different way they want to be communicated to. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, I really try and make sure I, I understand that. You know, some people need the after the one on ones like, all right, let's recap. So make sure we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the specifics of I this is what I'm looking for. And I want this by X date. And, you know, here's the outcome of what it, we're, we're looking to, to have here. And, you know, others that I've worked with in the past and, and currently are just more like, give me an idea and I'll take it and run with it. Like, mm-hmm. don't give me specifics. Just what is the concept you're looking? What is the goal you're looking to achieve? And I'll take it and run with it. So understanding the best way how people, I've got others that really respond best via text. And that's kind of the best way to get with them. Others, I know that when I see an email come from them, the best way is to really pick up the phone because mm-hmm. that's that's the best. And then I think it's also, it depends on the nature of the subject as well. And knowing when something needs to be said in person via phone, via email. Mm-hmm. And that does vary with every single person I work with. But then I think there are those certain circumstances where it's always like, you know what, that warrants an in-person. And if you want that backup documentation afterwards, you just follow up with an email. But you know, I think a lot of that personal connection mm-hmm. and having those conversations, because there's so many times that things get so misunderstood via email and misinterpreted. Yeah. And so I try to really, anytime I feel like it might be a, a harder conversation, you want, I, I always make the point, even though it would be so much easier for me to shoot off an email, to, to have those conversations in person. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned and I've I've been, you know, busy one day and I've sent one. And I've been like, that should have definitely been an in-person one. And so I've, you know, I've uh, kind of picked up the phone and been like, I just sent you an email. It warrants a longer conversation. I apologize. Like, I'll be down in like an hour when we're both free. But mm-hmm. I think knowing that it isn't a one, fit, one size fits all and really understanding based on the relationship of the person you're interacting with mm-hmm. and then the circumstance that's surrounding the communication really helps. Okay. Um, Well, those are all the questions I have today. That's uh, all we've got. So we really appreciate you here and sharing your guidance and and all your knowledge about leadership. And we're excited for what WC has in store. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. All right. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Westminster Canterbury Tales podcast. Thank you for listening. 